thou shalt not kill, uh, to the point of thou shalt not kill oneself on the subject of suicide. And uh, I, perhaps everyone in the room, at least anyone who has any years to him or to her, has been affected by, by, by one way or another, a, a loved one maybe who has attempted suicide or committed suicide or committed self-harm. And I think it's very important for us to have a biblical understanding of, of this. And, 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 and if there are any here tonight who've not had the pain or loss associated with that, still what we're going to go over tonight, Lord willing, I hope will be an encouragement to you when you experience fear or grief or loss or um, uh, like Solomon at some point just hating life for its futility at times. And so may the Lord bless our, our study of his word as it speaks to this important topic. Let me lead us in a brief prayer and then we'll uh, dig in. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather this evening. May you, your son, the Holy Spirit be honored. We are your servants. And we thank you that we're not only your servants, that you've made us your adopted children, co-heirs with Christ. Uh, bless what we study. Bless the one who speaks. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, with the sixth commandment, you have the prohibition of taking, of unlawfully taking human life. Now, there are cases when the taking of human life is lawful, but the you shall not slay refers specifically to unlawful killing, the unlawful taking of human life. And uh, let me give just some statistics uh, and data regarding suicide. Uh, from 2000 to 2020 in the U.S., suicide increased by 30%. From 2000 to 2020, more, more than 800,000 Americans died by suicide. 79% of all suicides are males. The most common methods of suicide are firearms, suffocation, and poisoning. A firearm is used in roughly 50% of all suicides. Interestingly, in 2020, 54% of all gun-related deaths in the U.S., 54% were suicides. It's the 12th leading cause of death in the U.S. It is the third leading cause of death for 15 to 24-year-olds. There is one suicide death for every estimated 25, 25 suicide attempts. And of all the figures, this one was perhaps the most striking and alarming to me. There are approximately 1,149,000 annual attempts in the U.S. Now think about it, folks. Our country has 330 million people in it. And 1.1, slightly more than 1.1 million people a year in our country attempt suicide. 
lesbian, gay, and bisexual kids are three times more likely than straight kids to attempt suicide at some point in their lives. The number of suicides are two and a half times more the number of homicides. Death by suicide or attempted suicide causes pain to millions of people every year. Many of you have been touched personally by that. Well, how should we view it biblically? Well, I'm going to go back to the previous sermon for just a moment and address why we must not slay, why we must be careful with human life. Just very succinctly, reason one, human beings are made in the image of God. God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created him. Human beings are unique among creatures of being made in the image of God. Two, life and death are God's prerogative. Job said, naked I come from, came from a mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And three, we may take human life only with his authorization. And he has, this is important, he has not given us authorization to take our own lives. Suicide is an unlawful taking of human life. Suicide is self-murder. Deuteronomy 32, 39 See now that I, I am he, and there's no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. Psalm 31, 15. My times are in your hands. In Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. We're going to look in just a moment of instances in suicide in Scripture. And all of them are in the context of shame and defeat. And likewise, even when no more noble characters ask God to take their lives, God clearly views their self-destructive requests unfavorably. Um, Suicide is a sin. It's a sinful choice made by an individual. There may be cases where people do not have an ability for rational decision, dementia, disability, head trauma, but for the majority, they are morally accountable choices. It can't be boiled down to genes, can't be boiled down to determinism, can't be boiled down to a family curse. It is a sinful choice made by an individual. And it's sinful probably for a number of reasons, but it includes, it's, it's an attempt to usurp God's authority. 
and it is also a failure to trust him fully. Now, I know of nothing in the scriptures that indicates that it is an unforgivable sin. I presume Christians who kill themselves go to be with the Lord, and the sin of suicide is forgiven just as all sins are forgiven. But it is sin. It is an act of rebellion. It is an affront to God. But thanks be to God, Christ gave himself for the forgiveness of sins. And we help saints by informing them in love that suicide is a sin. It is not loving to leave people in ignorance. God's truth, including his law, has power to guide us to Christ and to right thinking. God's law has the power to restrain us. And Christian, your life intrinsically is of great value and useful to God, even if you think it's become pointless. And God is fully worthy and deserving of our trust. And we do not want to sin against the one who gave his son for us. Now let's consider some of what tempts a person, some of what tempts a person to give up one's life. And then we'll look at some of the ways out of that temptation. And we want to look at scripture here. And depending a bit on how you classify, there are five to seven suicides in scripture. But what was to my great surprise is that of the suicides in scripture, there was maybe two, but as far as I can tell, there was really only one who took his life when death was not imminent anyway. In the other cases that we see in scripture, individuals were going to die soon anyway. In 1 Samuel 31, Saul was wounded by the Philistine archers. And rather than waiting for the Philistines to reach him and abuse him, he fell on his sword and he killed himself. In 1 Kings 16, King Zimri was about to be overtaken by Omri, so Zimri burned down the house he was in. In Judges 9, Abimelech's head was crushed by a millstone dropped by a woman, so he commanded his armor bearer to kill him with the sword so that it would not be said of him, what? A woman slew him. Judges 16, Samson pushed out the two pillars of the building in which the Philistines had him, but it was war, and he did it in an act through which he slew the Philistines. And then one that I thought was a decision, just a point-blank decision to kill oneself, I think I realized later, no, he, he saw what was coming down the pike. And that is a hit of fell. He strangled himself in 2 Samuel. But uh, as I'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, I think even there he realized he was soon to face a traitor's death if he didn't take his own death take his own life. And then in Acts chapter 16, I mentioned the Philippian jailer. And in each scenario, it would be interesting to study, and I'm not trying to justify their actions at all, but the point is that each was facing death already. And presumably, each would have preferred to live if 
having if they had that op with if he had that option. Um, there are two in Scripture who chose death over life and ended their lives. But even again, one of these I think maybe saw that death was imminent anyway, and that is the armor bearer for Saul. As we read, the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and there the Philistines killed Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchushua as sons of Saul. The battle went heavily against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and pierce me through with it, otherwise the uncircumcised will come and pierce me through and make sport of me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. He wouldn't lift his sword against the king, which I think was the right call. David wouldn't do that when David was being pursued by Saul and was given opportunity. So Saul took his sword and fell on it. When the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. Now the armor bearer was supposed to be answerable for the king's life. And maybe he knew the Philistines were coming around the corner and he thought he would go ahead and kill himself too. But the only one in scripture that I'm sure about who chose to end his life when he was not facing imminent death was who? It was Judas. Is that not telling in and of itself? We read in Matthew chapter 27, Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, that is Jesus, saw that he had been condemned, he, that is Judas, felt remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed, and he went away and hanged himself. Now why did Judas end his own life? He knew he had sinned deeply, as he said, against innocent blood, and he felt the weight of that. Second Corinthians, and this is important for us, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says this, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation without regret, but worldly sorrow produces death. Judas died with that worldly sorrow. So we have very limited examples in scriptures of those who take their own lives, and most were about to die anyway. Now, we have in scripture a number of others who yearned for death. One was Elijah. Now, these didn't kill themselves, but they yearned to die. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah has just performed, uh, or God has used him, God has performed, a mighty redemptive act in the killing of the Baal prophets in Israel. And then when Jezebel heard, well, did we talk about Jezebel last week? Yeah, when a sentence begins with Jezebel, it's not going to go well, right? When Jezebel heard about this, she sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, as the life of one of the prophets by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life. When a day's journey in the wilderness came and sat down on a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, Yahweh. Take my life. I am not better than my father's. 
Now what we're looking here is we're seeing why each of these people, even noble people, felt that felt this way. And it's helpful for us to consider what tempts a person to give up. And here in Elijah's case, I think his desire sprang from fear, from a sense of little worth. From a, from, he says in chapter 19 also, the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, and I am alone, the only, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. He was feeling alienation, and he probably was experiencing physical exhaustion, but he wanted to die. Job, in Job chapter 6, says this, Would that God were willing to crush me, that he would loose his hand and cut me off. Job's desire to die is born out of suffering and loss and perhaps criticism of his friends. And then we read in Jonah chapter 4 this. Jonah became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Jonah wanted to die because he was angry with God. He was angry with God for dealing with others and for dealing with him in a manner different than he wanted. Now, we're not told in any way that Solomon wanted to die. I want to make that clear. But he himself tells us in Ecclesiastes that he came to hate life. He says, So I hated life, for the work which had been done under the sun was grievous to me, because everything is futility and striving after wind. So, dear friends, you have these thoughts and feelings of those in the Bible. Do any of these thoughts and feelings resonate with you presently? Or have they resonated or, or, or do they resonate with the time in your life formerly? Has anyone here thought about self-harm, practiced self-harm? Is it born out of deep regret? Out of the weight of guilt and shame? Does it spring from fear, from alienation, from loneliness? Does it spring from a sense of little worth? Are you exhausted from a lack of rest? Is it born out of suffering? Is it born out of loss and grief? Is it born out of criticism and false accusation and hurt from those close to you? Is it born out of anger from God, the way he deals with you and the way he deals with others? Is it born from a sense that things are futile regardless how much you work at it? Do you despair? Do you feel hopeless? Please hear this, dear Christian. You are feeling and thinking things that the saints have thought and felt for thousands of years. You are not alone in this. Moreover, God and God's word has answers for you. 
God reminds us in historical account after historical account that he will never waste the pain we struggle through in this life. He will turn it around for good somehow and use it to strengthen us and others. Solomon gave us the best collection of wisdom in history. Elijah was a prophet who was used powerfully by God within Israel. Job was restored by God. His example inspires and comforts and teaches us to this day. And the Lord used Jonah to save a large city from destruction. Where do you take your guilt, your shame, your sorrow? You take it to the Lord. You confess it to the Lord. Your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. And he makes you clean. And dear friends, he promises that he will work all things. Not just all good things. Not just some things. But all things for your good and for his purposes. Now, I want to remind those who are struggling of several things. First of all, recognize we have a real enemy whose mission is to kill. Jesus said regarding the devil, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have it abundantly. And some of those common themes that we looked at just moments ago, fear, Despair, hopelessness, depression, illness, temptation, darkness, guilt, disillusionment, deep heartache, loss, grief, pride, revenge, sin. These things the devil still uses to drive people to despair. Main risk factors for suicide have been identified as a prior suicide attempt, depression and other mental health disorders, substance abuse, Family history of mental health disorders or substance abuse. Family history of suicide. Family violence, including physical or sexual violence. But dear friends, while these are not to be ignored, they do not determine your future. They do not define who you are. You are not a slave to these things. You were made free by the Son. And you belong to him and to your heavenly father. Scars left by suicide do not heal easily. If you had a parent who died by suicide, remember that you have a heavenly father who himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never desert you. If you, have a ch- if you had a child who died by suicide, remember that your heavenly father knows what it is to lose a son and to raise him from the dead. If you lost a sibling to suicide, remember that Christ is your elder brother and he lives forever. If you lost a friend to suicide, remember that Christ said that he has called you friend. And also, he says, I'm not ashamed to call you brother or to call her sister. Dear friends, 
know that you're never alone. The Lord says in Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. In Psalm 34, 18 and 19, we read this. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And then lastly, what I want to say is that while taking one's life is a violation of the sixth commandment. Scripture does allow for the giving of one's life to save the life of another. In this tragic event that happened recently in Uvalde, Texas, from what I read, the teachers Eva Morales and Irma Garcia died trying to protect their students. They were seen trying to shelter their students from the bullets. It is lawful to give one's life to save life. And in a small way, they are emulating what Christ did. Jesus gave his life that we might have life. And he wasn't playing around. He wasn't just being a moral example. Redemptive history has its central day on the day of his, well, central days on the day of his crucifixion and his resurrection. He has truly died for sin. He has truly been raised from the dead. He has truly ascended to heaven as at the right hand of the Father and will bring all things under his feet and bring us to a day when there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more loss, no more mourning and we will see him face to face the best is yet to be dear friends, so remember the promises of God if anyone is especially discouraged or thinking about self harm please speak to a brother or sister in the Lord and let it be made known you're not alone. When Elijah wanted and prayed to die, what did the Lord do? He sent an angel that baked bread on coals and fed Elijah, strengthened him. And think how it ministered to his spirit. Okay, Let us be that sort of carrying out in a human way the task that the angel did with Elijah. Let me lead us in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have promised to work all things for our good.